Chapter Thirteen of Priests on Horseback, Father Farmer, seventeen twenty to seventeen eighty six, by Eva K. Betts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Thirteen, Sebastian. The wheel used for spinning flax was quite different from the wool wheel which Greta had used at home, but once she had become accustomed to it, she liked working on the linen thread. Since the weaver was due to make his annual visit soon, the spinning wheel hummed from morning to night, so that plenty of thread would be ready for him. When the weaver comes, said Mrs. Bridge, I will want you to learn from him how to use the loom. There were so many things Mrs. Bridge wanted credit to learn. At first the girl had been inclined to resent the many new duties and lessons, but then, remembering Father Harding's advice, she saw that all this knowledge would be useful and important when the years of her indenture were over and she was mistress of her own home. She had given up any notion of running away, of cheating the bridges of something for which they had paid. She had learned, too, the further truth of the priest's suggestion, that if she asked permission she would be allowed to go to Mass. Not only on Sunday, but sometimes during the week she was able, after she had finished her early morning duties and before the family was stirring, to hurry to St. Joseph's. If the household could not understand why, on occasion, she went well without breakfast, they accepted her odd ideas. So while natural disappointment still lingered, while she was not happy in her circumstances, she was not unhappy either. It was sort of a waiting period between the end of her old life and the beginning of the new one. Very sensibly, she made the most of it. Busy days came when Mr. Bridge prepared to go to New York Colony to get skins from the Indians for use in his tannery. He had sent up to Bergen County in New Jersey to buy wampum from an expert maker there. Greta was delighted with the look of it. It's so much prettier than money, she said, fingering the black discs cut from clam shells, and the less valuable ones made from many different shells. And this lovely little thing, it looks like a fairy pipe. It is a pipe, Mr. Bridge explained, of a kind the Indians treasure greatly. I should think if one burned tobacco in it, it would fall apart. It looks as if it were made of, well, not clay, anyway. Mr. Bridge laughed. It's not made of clay. It's the core of a large conch shell, with the end carefully cut out from the end of the shell, and it's not used for smoking. As you see, it has no real bowl for tobacco. But what is it used for? Indians run locks of their hair through such pipes, when they are dressing for ceremonial occasions. Or sometimes they wear them on thongs of leather as necklaces. Mr. Bridge, said his wife, you are delaying Greta who has work to do. Those stockings are still to be raveled, Greta. Greta set to work, but with no feeling of rebellion. She had learned all she wanted to know about wampum, and there was work to be done. The torn, worn stockings she was raveling would produce wool yarn, which, with additions, would be dyed and woven into a coverlid for a bed. Plants in this country are quite different from the ones you are accustomed to, Greta. You must learn about them. It almost seems, when Mrs. Bridge says things like that, Greta sometimes thought, as if she were laughing at some private joke. But then Greta would make some foolish mistake, and all thought of jokes, private or otherwise, would quickly vanish. Yet, somehow, it seemed to her that ever since the day the wheelwright had come, the day Mr. Bridge spoke so mysteriously of something he had learned, there had been knowledge in the house which concerned her, but of which she was not told. Mr. Bridge was taking two of his indentured men from the tannery with him. 
One was going because he was an excellent judge of skins, and knew the working and cutting of leather. The other was going largely because he was quick and accurate with his pistol. You see, Greta, while Mr. Bridge will do most of his buying with wampum, he will also carry a bag of hard cash. Wampum, of course, has a set value, too. The thought of a whole bag of hard cash made Greta gasp. Many colonists lived out their entire lives without ever having seen any. Trading of goods and services was the usual medium of exchange. The weaver kept a certain amount of cloth for himself from each lot he wove. Lengths were traded for food, candles, or perhaps a jackknife. There were few inns where a night's lodging could not be had in exchange for jackknife-carved spoons or bowls. At the inn he might meet a leather man and trade cloth for enough leather for a pair of boots. Then, at the next town, he would weave for the bootmaker's wife in exchange for the work on his leather. Only the very rich, the men of importance in business, used hard cash. And Mr. Bridge was going on the high road carrying a bag of it. Greta decided that she must pray very hard for his safe return. A large part of the city of Philadelphia was busy discussing a matter of which it knew very little. And, as usual, the less informed people were, the more willing they were to give information. Mrs. Bridge and Greta, busy now at a quilting frame, did not know, and knew they did not know. I would like to understand what the transit of Venus is. It sounds not quite respectable to me, Greta, said Mrs. Bridge briskly. Oh, it is respectable, Mrs. Bridge. It's ever learned. Then the less you know about it, the better. Gentlemen do not like ladies to have learning. Greta sewed in silence, reaching in toward the center of the quilt where the pattern led her. She still felt she would like to know who Venus was, and what a transit might be. But since her curiosity was not shared by Mrs. Bridge, she was wise enough to let the matter drop. But a few days later, as she hurried on an errand for Mrs. Bridge, she met Father Harding going the same direction. "'You see a happy man,' he said, after they had exchanged greetings. "'I am going to meet some members of the American Philosophical Society.' "'What is that, Father?' It is a group of men, the only one of its kind in the new world, who are interested in the sciences. What are sciences, Father? For a moment the priest seemed to wish he had limited his talk to housekeeping, but then, good-humouredly, he tried to explain. Scientists, Greta, are men who study the stars, who learn about plants and flowers, who experiment with, for instance, electricity. And what do you do in the society, Father? Oh, I am not a member, although I did study about many of those things in the old country, and Father Farmer is well known in Europe as an astronomer. A Catholic priest would not be welcome in the group. But my friend, David Rittenhouse, has invited me to his home to meet some of the men who are helping to prepare to study the transit of Venus next year. Father! Greta stopped short and fixed the priest steadily with his eyes. Who is Venus, and why is everyone interested in seeing her transit? Is she a lady? The name sounds like one. How, wondered Father Harding, do you answer a question like that when there was no background of knowledge to build on? But he did the best he could, and wondered, when he and Greta parted at the end of the lane, how good that best had been. Greta finished her errand and hurried home. She could hardly wait to explain to Mrs. Bridge what the transit of Venus was. Venus is a star. The world is a star, too. How silly, Greta! Mrs. Bridge was sharp. Stars are up in the air and they shine. The earth is down here, and it certainly has no shine to it. 
Well, perhaps they are planets. Father Harding did say that name. Perhaps. Since Mrs. Bridge had no idea what a planet might be, she was more willing to accept that identification. Well, Venus is nearer the sun than we are, and so next year, when it passes the face of the sun, men want to measure it. Measure it? Measure what? How long it takes to cross the sun. What good will that do them? I don't quite understand that part, Greta admitted, but I know it is very important. Men all over the world will be watching, and when they ask for help from the side of the world, our own Mr. Rittenhouse, here in Philadelphia, was the only man who had the knowledge and the instruments to help. Mrs. Bridge sewed in silence for an interval. I always said the Philadelphians were fine people, she said complacently, breaking the silence at last. Perhaps sometime you will ask Mr. Harding just why the men want to measure how long this Venus takes to cross the sun, although you must tell only me about it. As I have told you, gentlemen do not like women to be interested in things outside the household. Neither Greta nor Mrs. Bridge understood any more after the girl tried again to have Father Harding explain the matter. Neither knew anything at all about mathematics or any of the sciences. But they did have the sense of contented satisfaction that Philadelphia was the only town in all the colonies which had a man who could cooperate with the rest of the world in this project. They didn't know what it was all about, but they realized that it was important. Early in May, Mr. Bridge returned. His trip had been successful in every way. He had hides for making coats and shoes and harnesses, an especially good one from which a fire bucket would be made for his own household. With the city growing so fast, there were hundreds of houses now, and many of them quite close together. Fire was an increasing hazard. It was necessary that every householder be represented by a man with a sound, water-tight bucket in the firefighting bucket brigade. I got some good skins in New Jersey he told Greta the morning after he returned. A particularly good bearskin came from a young man who was a very shrewd bargainer. Greta was busy cleaning candle stands, and since no comment seemed needed, she made none. I thought you'd be more interested, you girl, Greta. Mr. Bridge sounded irritated. You don't even ask for the health of your Sebastian. Sebastian? The candle stand went over with a clatter and the droplets of grease which Greta had been collecting for reusing, flew in all directions. Did you see Sebastian? I just told you. I bought a good bearskin from him, and found him a young man who could dicker well. How is he? How does he look? He seems well. He looks, to me at least, like any other young man. You may be seeing him before long, as I have business to discuss with him. Sebastian coming here? Are the candlestands done, Greta? Mrs. Bridge had entered the kitchen without being noticed by Greta, so excited was she about the possibility of seeing Sebastian soon. What business could Mr. Bridge have with Sebastian, Greta wondered, and what was the meaning of the strange exchange of glances between Mr. and Mrs. Bridge? It was like the day the wheelwright had come. Greta flew at her work with violence, the rest of the day trying to keep herself so occupied with her duties that she wouldn't have time to wonder about Sebastian, to puzzle about the mystery which seemed to be growing, but in spite of her efforts she couldn't keep her mind entirely off the matter. She gathered that Sebastian had gone to Mr. Bridges' tannery with a load of skins. Was he to stop here on the way back? She wanted to know, but could not ask, because both her employers seemed deep in some problem of their own. 
In this strange way time often behaves, the afternoon seemed both to drag and to fly at one and the same time. Evening came and the candles were lighted. Greta took up her sewing. Mr. and Mrs. Bridge sat and did nothing, which made the strange situation even more strange. There was a knock on the door. The young man you sent to the tannery is here, Mr. Bridge, said the servant who answered the knock. Do you want to see him? Mrs. Bridge shook her head, but her husband spoke. Yes, show him in, he turned to his wife. I must, my dear, in simple justice, I must tell the story. End of chapter 13 Recording by Maria Therese